everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the I'll Be Back podcast. Um, how's everybody doing? Uh, I know it's been a couple weeks. Um, I am sipping on a little something I made. It's got some uh, cinnamon, apple, um, kind of made it concoction. Um, it's good. Uh, so sorry, guys. Uh, I know it's been a couple weeks since I've recorded. Uh, just haven't gotten a chance to last couple weeks. The days I was going to, uh, Temple had a game. And I kind of don't like recording right before a game because I feel like the episodes uh, end up being kind of irrelevant pretty quickly. Um, and I know there is a uh, crew of newer listeners um, out there who have been bugging me about when is my new episode coming out. So here you go, guys. Um, but yeah, so I'm recording this kind of late on a Wednesday. Temple Basketball, Just I just finished watching their game. Um, I had practice tonight for the team I coach. I, uh, tweeted out, I coach seventh, eighth grade basketball. I'm sure I've talked about it before on the show. Um, so we practiced till nine o'clock. So I quickly rushed home. Um, and I know people complain about the ESPN plus, um, games, but the benefit of those is I can discreetly, uh, avoid my phone, avoid Twitter, avoid text messages, avoid anything of revealing the score. And then I come home and I can watch the game because uh, ESPN Plus puts the replay of the game pretty much immediately. Um, I think last year it used to be like an hour wait. Now it's just like, boom, once the game's over. Um, so, yeah, I and it's cool because I can just kind of fast forward through commercials, fast forward through halftime. So I watch the game in like about an hour, maybe hour 15 minutes. Um, good win tonight. Um, it stinks. Uh, like I said, it, it has been a couple weeks since I uh, did last record. So they have had a couple of conference losses since then. Um, game on Sunday against Memphis. Uh, lost on a game winner at the end. And that was, you know, overall I watched that game and it was a hard-fought game. It stinks because just the way the rest of their season's gone, that that's a game that they really kind of had to win. Um, but if they beat Penn, if they beat Wagner, if they beat Maryland Eastern Shore, you know, and win one of the other games that they kind of had a lead um, such as Vanderbilt or maybe, you know, St. John's, um, if they win those games and they have, you know, right now they're 11 and nine, if they were 14 and six and they lost the Memphis the way that they did on Sunday, I don't think it's quite as bad, but they really just set themselves up for zero margin of error going the rest of the way of the season. And that is where we are at. Um, so yeah. Tonight, they kind of bounce back, ECU, um, you know, and uh, Pauly Furmeister, uh, long-time listener. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've been around enough to even say that about listeners, but uh, uh, he, te- he texted me, and I, again, I avoided the text at the time because I had not finished the game, um, but he sent, you know, kind of an uneventful win. You know, first half was a little uh, nervous, nerve-wracking, I guess is the word I'm looking for. Uh, but second half, they really pulled away. Uh, comments about tonight's game, you know, Jaleel White had an incredible dunk. Uh, he jumped from, you know, outside the paint on the baseline. And uh, part of me was like, where has this been? And part of me was like, when he landed, I'm like, oh, no, is this when he, you know, runs to the back because his knee hurts? Which, love Jaleel White. That was one of the things coming out of high school was he can run and jump. He's fairly athletic. Um he had another dunk. I think tonight was probably the most we've dunks I've seen in a Temple game by Temple in quite some time. John Kutch had a, a dunk or two. Um, he had a really good game. I know in the first half, at one point, he was like 
three for five. Uh, I think two dunks, a nice little jump hook uh, that at the time I was like, oh, no, and then he switched it. Um, but that was kind of what I had envisioned for him this season, getting, you know, six to eight points, easy buckets around the rim, uh, something they really haven't done finding him uh, on that uh, on the low block to get those easy buckets. Um, same thing with Jaleel White. I mean, outrunning, getting the dunks that he should be getting, um, kind of playing point forward, also like leading to those type of plays for him. Hasir Miller had a lot of really good defensive plays, getting steals. Battle and Dunn obviously got theirs. Um, so yeah, it was a good all-around game. Uh, and, you know, you end up winning by uh, 15 against a team that you, you know you're better than. Um, obviously, we beat them a couple weeks ago, first conference game. Well, at this point, I guess that was a, a month ago. Um, first conference game, we got the win against ECU, and it was much closer. Um, but, but today looks a lot better. Um, yeah, it's just it stinks knowing that they had those tough losses uh, out of conference, and now they really have to tighten up uh, in conference. I mean, they are now tied for second in the conference, uh, sitting at, what, 5-2. and two. Um, Houston on Sunday, big game. And I think, uh, again, another uh, a listener, uh, Steve Kucher, who uh, he sent a text, you know, what's the line on that game? Sunday, 18? I don't know. It's going to be one of those, we're either going to get blown out or it's a game that we might win. I mean, you know, Sunday, a lot of people people were thinking against Memphis, uh, probably would have gotten blown out against them. Uh, I play basketball Sunday mornings and I told, you know, not everybody there's Temple fans, but I said, hey, Temple's got a game today. And they said, who are you playing? I said, Memphis. And they said, I hope you don't have your, you know, hopes up. And I said, you know, I said, as a person, uh, who has a podcast about Temple, I try to be as pop- optimistic as always um, and sometimes realistic. But I, I said, I was like, no, I, I think they had a chance in that game. It's just Temple loses games that, you th- you know, against Wagner, against Maryland Eastern Shore, that you're like, this should be a cakewalk. And then they'll play Memphis really tough. And they, I know Kyle Gauss has said it on our show, on their show for Al Scoop. Um, this is a team that can hang with anybody and lose to anybody. And they just continue to kind of show it. Tonight, really good win. Um, I thought Aaron McKee did a good job coaching. Um, and I know people have had issues with him. But they just, uh, you know, I know I'll get to it. Uh, I did tweet out uh, tonight before the game started that I, I can't watch it live. If anybody had any questions, that I, uh, questions or comments that want me to talk about on the show. And a lot was about turnovers. Um, of course, this game, best, you know, uh, probably their best game of the season when it came to turnovers. I think the team had eight total. Um, yeah, eight turnovers, and they forced seventeen uh, for TCU. They got out rebounded forty five to thirty four, but I know ECU is a, a good rebounding team. It was the offensive rebounds that I think really kept them in it the first half, and then the second half um, because we forced you know a lot of steals, um, easy points for us. Uh, Hasir Miller really had a great game on-ball defensively. It seemed like he was just poking the ball away. Um, It just seemed like everybody, um, you know, heading into the season, people said that Dunn and Battle can score. Hasir's going to be a floor general, a pest on defense. Uh, John Kutch is going to, you know, get open dunks. Jordan is just an energy guy. I mean, you know, big blocks, big rebounds. He did have a 
really dumb flagrant foul tonight. And I don't know why the refs took so long to uh, call it, but he basically just turned at the guy and pushed him forward. He wasn't even going for the ball. Uh, so Jordan and I know in the recent weeks, people have kind of said Jordan's been playing better. And last season, he had a kind of an issue with his temper, got teed up a lot. I don't know if people remember when he ripped his shirt the one game. Um, so we hadn't seen that yet. So I don't know what happened tonight when he just took a kind of looked like he got a little elbow in the back and he just turned and shoved a guy. And of course, that guy is the guy who the ball fell right into his lap and it looks way worse than when you were shoving the guy who was trying to catch a basketball. Um, but, uh, you know, McKee took him out and he was able to settle back in. Um, no Dizoni tonight. I was a little surprised by that. Uh, Akpomo didn't really, uh, get in either. I was a little surprised by that. Um, but it is what it is. Uh, yeah, Akpomo had two minutes. I was going to say in the fur, I guess when Jordan picked up, was it Jordan or John coach? He took him out real quick, but, uh, yeah, just a seven man rotation tonight, realistically. Um, but good win. Sunday against Houston. I don't know. Got my hopes up slightly, but be realistic. Let's say the line is is 18. I You know, maybe they cover. Maybe they keep it within 10 or 12. We play that annoying, slowed-down game. Um, you know, against Memphis, the final score was, what, 61 to 59? If they keep it within that range, there's no reason. You know, maybe it's 65, 55, something like that. If we play an ugly game of basketball, which is essentially Temple's basketball, um, we're in the game. Do we win? Who knows? Uh... It's funny tonight with the no turnovers that we had, uh, you know, ECU played a 2-3 zone, and I know people hate the jacking of the threes, and I try not to knock it a lot. There was, I think, at one point we had like five straight possessions where we shot threes, and I think we only made one. Um, and then we started to work the ball around a little bit more. Hicks played one of his better games tonight, I thought. Um, he came out starting uh, shooting fairly well. Um, hit two threes early on, never really got the, um, shooting again, but that's okay for him. You know, he's two for six from three, uh, two for five from three, two for six from the field, six points. Um, didn't force, you know, some games it seems like he's been forcing the issue. So, uh, overall just, I'm sure it's, it's just, they've really set themselves up for, they can't blow more games like they, did earlier in the season. That's just kind of what the rest of the season is going to come down to. Just can't blow, uh, you know, the the easy wins. And Tulane's a good team. I get it. Memphis, it, those aren't awful losses in conference. Uh, if you want to be the top three or four in the conference, those it's probably going to be Tulane, Memphis, Houston, obviously, and then us, kind of Cincinnati. Uh, maybe UCF is in that mix, but... I don't know. It's uh, still got a decent amount of basketball left. They're at nine losses now. Let's just say they, uh, what do they have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven games left. Got to go like eight and three in those games. And that gets you to what? Nineteen and twelve. Does that get you in the tournament? Yeah, then you have to win uh, at least one conference tournament game, and then you're, I mean, 
Assuming that, you know, if I said the eight and three, that's they got one of they have to get one win over Houston at least. Um, if you beat Houston on Sunday on the road, it can t- chance to turn your whole season around. But big if. And with this team, it's just, I don't know. Battle and done. Tonight they played well together for one of the first games in a while. Both getting over 20 points. And that's why, you know, you win by 15. Like I said, it's it's going into the season. Everybody said certain players had roles on this team. And if they did those things, we would win games. Tonight, fairly easy win with everybody doing exactly what they should do. Um, Jamil Reynolds, it sounds like maybe two weeks away from coming back. Uh, be interesting to see how they kind of integrate him back into the offense when he does come back. Because Jordan has been such a high ball of energy and playing, I think, for the most part, fairly well. Um, hasn't been trying to, like, overshoot. He had a really nice block tonight. I don't think people understand how high Jordan can get. Like, his one block tonight, the guy tried to kiss it high off the backboard, and he just snuffed it. Um, and it was within, you know, the end of the game, I think ECU just made two or three jumpers, to, uh, one of which was a three, to kind of cut it within ten, gaining some momentum. And he does that, and then we come down and score. So it's nice to see. Uh... I did mention uh, a couple people had some Twitter questions, uh, so I tweeted out. I couldn't watch the game live, but if you guys had anything you wanted to kind of talk about, um, I could get to it. Um, I know it was one or two people had mentioned, let's see, I did get one question about a potential replacement for McKay. I'm not going to get into that quite yet because I'm holding out hope that we don't have to replace him if we make the tournament. It hasn't, we haven't not made the tournament yet. So I am standing pat that maybe, you know, we do make it. Um, let's see. <laughs> Varun Kumar, who we've had on the show, uh, are you telling, uh, you CYO kids to stop turning it over? And I assume that is a Direct correlation of Temple basketball, always turning it over. Uh, yes, I tell my kids to stop turning it over as well. Uh, we don't have as many ball handlers as Temple does, and I think that's kind of one of the uh, um, frustrating things. And uh, Rich uh, Burek um, also said, since you're a coach, discuss how you try to get a handle on the turnovers. Um, my team that I coached, Varun, to answer your question, I only have real one main ball handler, and the rest are it's a crapshoot. So similar to Temple, if you press my team... It could be a long night for our team. Um, Temple, the problem is, and it kills me, is, I mean, Miller is obviously a true point guard, but Dunn and Battle, I mean, they're not true point guards in the sense that they're distributing, but they can dribble. Like, they are ball handlers. Um, Jaleel White is a point forward. Um, so the, the, the amount of handlers that they have on the team uh, is what kills me for their turnovers, and especially when a press happens and they just kind of shit their pants, for lack of a better term. Uh, but I think... You just got to make the smarter passes, and I've, I've said this to my team before. It's the, you know, you're not the cross-court passes nine out of ten times are going to get stolen. It's, you know, just pump fake the guy, the defender, and make the quick bounce pass to the guy who's four feet away from you. And then just get the ball up court that way, and within the offense, you know, swing the ball around. It's You don't have to make the, you know, pass that gets it to the guy who's wide open in the corner when you're standing at half court. You can pass it to the guy who's on the wing, who then can pass it to the corner. Um, little things like that, but it just they add up when you keep messing up. 
I also think one of the issues is sometimes we get the ball and we try to go too fast when uh, Mikia said he wants to be a fast team, but we're just not. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's Miller or Battle. They get down the court and they just don't, they're, they think we're a fast paced team and we're not. And the rest of the team is either, you know, still behind the three point line and people get caught. Um, even Jordan sometimes will do it when he, you know, tries to do too much. Uh, White, you know, and some once in a while they make a jump pass and the jump pass is one of the worst, you know, if the guy that you're passing to is guarded, you literally have to land with the ball, which is a walk. So then you end up just throwing it. And um, also, again, with the trying to be a fast-paced team tonight, I saw Miller, he went to look for a pass. Um, and again, it was somebody, whoever passed him the ball made the right pass to Miller. But Miller caught it and quickly tried to pass it to Dunn. Dunn didn't even look like he was ready for it. And I think Miller didn't even have control of the ball when he threw it. It basically hit Dunn's like feet, which was only our sixth or seventh turnover at the time. Um, so it wasn't, you know, it, tonight wasn't a game where you can get mad about the turnovers. It was funny. I was watching and I'd already read some of the comments, people asking about this. And I was like, oh, of course, this is a game that they're actually playing well and not turning it over. Um, so I don't know if uh, Aaron McKee addressed it a lot at practice this week, which hopefully he's been doing that every week because they've really just been struggling with it. Um, or if ECU's defense is just that bad. Uh, I think that was all of the basketball questions. Yeah, turnovers, turnovers. Oh, and, uh, Kyle Pagan, uh, from Crossing Broad sent the, uh, are these your third graders? Uh, if you guys have watched the viral video of some third graders who were just nonchalantly just taunting everybody uh no those are not my actually I, I kind of wish my guys would kind of have the courage to do that not that badly but I feel like they're a little timid sometimes in game um uh that's all for basketball uh football uh had a couple football questions and honestly it was a weird week for football um weird couple weeks uh obviously transfer portal still alive uh I'm sure you guys remember I did uh, my signing day episode, uh, right before Christmas. Um, I've gotten a couple people, uh, since then, uh, it seems like the Florida guys are here to stay, uh, Tawan Black, I hope I'm saying that name right, he is officially, uh, enrolled at Temple, he was a linebacker who, he was a four-star out of high school, I believe went to Juco, and then to Florida, um, and he has, I don't know really what happened to Lee, get him to leave Florida, uh, but he was tweeting all great things about Temple and uh, really hyping him up, and the other one was uh, Wilcoxon, I believe that is how you say his name, um, he was also, he's also coming to Temple, so they got a couple guys from Florida who were fairly uh, good pickups, it seemed like, uh, then, if you were following, we needed a running backs coach, we thought we got him from Monmouth, and he is now officially no longer on Temple's website as a coach, which was weird. Um, and then our cornerbacks coach, who was kind of credible for why we got all the Florida guys, Montanar, I believe his name was, um, he took a job as, yes, Jules Montanar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He took a job as ECU's cornerback coach slash defensive passing coordinator, uh, suddenly on Sunday, 
So that threw some people off. It's like, well, we just got all these Florida guys because of his connection. He was a coach there a couple years ago, um, and now we lost him. Uh, but those guys all, I believe, are enrolled at Temple this semester, so they are pretty much on the hook to stay, uh, whether they like it or not. But it does seem like on Twitter they are promoting Temple pretty well. Um, so Temple goes and hires a guy, Bowman, uh, who I think looks like a good hire. Uh, people are saying, why did he, uh, Montanar leave for ECU? He's from down south. It seems like it just, you know, made sense for him. Um, Sam Dorsett, he was the uh, Monmouth guy who was no longer with uh, the team. He was here for maybe five days, it seemed like. Uh, and then, let's see, any other questions? Uh, there's a couple other football questions I can get into. Um, but I did want to talk about the coach that they're getting, Bowman, who was a cornerbacks coach at Arkansas, so you're getting an SEC guy. Uh, it seems like he has a lot of ties to the Memphis area and was very good at recruiting that area. He was a high school coach there. Um, I'm guessing I'm looking at it as the equivalent of getting like a decent for basketball. If you got like a good AAU local coach, it seems like he's that kind of guy. So, um, I mean, a lot of people loved Fran Brown. Um, who was a younger guy and had a lot of high school connections in this area, uh, can Bowman come in and be that guy? We'll see. Um, but it seems like he did a good job recruiting, and obviously if he can coach cornerbacks in the SEC, I don't see why he cannot do that in uh, at Temple. Uh, as I said, there was a couple other questions um, that people wanted to get to. For uh, Let me look those up again. You know, there was a football one. Uh, Mr. Mohan, uh, Brian Mohan, who I love running into at uh, basketball games and football tailgates, always a, a fun guy. His son, his son Sean, was on the show about a year ago, if you remember. Um, just in, discuss the impact of the new transfer portal departures and how many or what positions we might add. So um, if you have been following along, transfer portals always essentially open. Uh, between yesterday and today, Temple had about five more people leave. It was fairly expected. Uh, Kobe Wilson's probably the one that you're looking at the most. He had about 60 tackles on the season, was like a rotational linebacker, um, and has, you know, been a key contributor last couple years. Um, and I say key contributor, you know, for Temple football standards of teams that have gone three and nine, one and 12, 11 and one and seven. So take that with a grain of salt. Um, I think he had just fallen out of, he wasn't starting. He was, you know, the fourth or fifth linebacker, um, and he just saw that writing on the wall. Um, so he, he enters a transfer portal. Does it suck? Yes. Uh, am I worried about it? No, I think he. it's more of a guy that you can kind of next man up it and you'll get your next rotation guy. Um, you're not losing a all-star here. Uh, best of luck to Kobe Wilson. Yes, maybe if he stick to, stuck around for those two years and two years, is he your best linebacker? That's not impossible. Um, the rest of them, really not worried about, and I don't mean that in any negative way. Trey Blair is somebody that has essentially been hinted to me for over a month will be entering the portal. Um, we got a running back from uh, FAU. FAU um, the running backs in general, that room, I mean, they just didn't do well this year. So if any of them really transferred, I don't think you're losing anything, um, even if even if Edward Sadie were to leave. Um, it's not like you're losing a 1,000-yard rusher. Uh, 
Trey Blair was a local guy, so that does suck, but it is what it is. Um, and I, I did have the chance to meet him uh, last year at the Temple Phillies game um, when they had Temple night, at, and he was very nice to me, so I have no you know issues with him. Um, again, just hasn't gotten playing time. If he didn't get playing time last year as a running back, then I think that's just not a good sign at all anyway. Um, uh, Jalen Satchel, defensive lineman, again, just more of a rotational guy, not somebody that I'm going to... Um, kind of lose sleep over. Um, I have the defensive stats here. Uh, Satchel was kind of at the, you know, lower end of stats. Um, yeah, 14 tackles in the season. It, it's not something that I'm going to go crazy over. Uh, Nate Wyatt, another guy, cornerback, six tackles on the year. So he trans, but you know, these are guys that probably were told by coaches or told coaches, whatever, like, hey, if I'm not playing yet, it's starting at this point in time, and I'm, you know, junior, senior, and it is tough still to tell who's what, because um, you're still getting some guys who are six-year seniors with the COVID year and the redshirt year. Um, Jacoby Sharp, um, another guy, he's, you know, I just looked at it, he was considered a redshirt sophomore this year uh, after the season, and he... Uh, basically didn't play last year at all like if you go to his al sports page it just says provided depth at line that's it um i think he was a freshman in 19 he redshirted he was a redshirt freshman after that year um then he was a redshirt then he was a sophomore and then he was listed this year as a redshirt sophomore because of covid so it's not like you're losing a lot from him uh balance um, uh, camara Alan Sama Kamara. I hope I pronounced that right, Kamara. Also enters the transfer portal. Um, again, got the stats right here. Kamara, um, defensive guy. 15 total tackles on the year. So between the three guys that I just listed, 15 tackles, 14 tackles, 6 tackles. So three guys with 35 combined total tackles last year. I think you can easily replace that. If you want to throw Kobe Wilson in there, okay. So that's four guys, 90 tackles. Um, still like... You know, uh, it's not the end of the world. So, yes, they've gotten a couple. I think I'm missing one. I think there was maybe one more person who entered. Oh, uh, TJ Pergi. I'm not going to pronounce this right. Pergin. Pergini. Um, who was apparently just a walk on anyway. So, like, entering the transfer portal for him is like, well, does that even. I don't mean this to crap on the kid, but. Like, do we need to announce walk-ons are leaving the team? Um, and for him, you know, it seems like he already has tweeted, you know, he's gotten an offer or two. But it is what it is. Uh, so, yeah, Mr. Mohan, appreciate the uh, uh, question. Um, what else are they going to add? I, You know, I think Drayton said they are going to add, you know, possibly six more guys. And it's funny, so if you were uh, nervous that these, you know, I just listed a bunch of guys who left. They had 89 scholarships already. You're only allowed 85. So four people at least had to leave. And again, that's where I get it. People think the sky is falling now on the transfer portal. Um, people leave. And I get Rod Carey probably gives you like PTSD of, you know, the programs falling under. That's not the case right now. That is, you know, people leaving who they weren't going to play at all this year. Um, and I bet you three or four more might still happen. 
if you're wondering even more so why it happened this week, Temple's classes started yesterday. So I'm recording this Wednesday. Temple was off for MLK on Monday. Tuesday, classes start. Once these kids start going to classes, their scholarship is officially part of this semester. So these kids can get whatever classes they need, if they're going to get their degree at the end of May or a couple more credits to transfer over to their next school, it makes 100% sense why they would all wait until today to get into the portal. Because if you did it over winter break, you would have to financially or scholarship-wise figure out where you're going next. Now you do not have to do that. Um, any other uh, potential? Uh, Jake Benny said, any potential running back coaches? Uh, Jake, I wish I had a, a better answer for this. I think I don't have actual specific names. I think it's more just the route that Drayton wants to prefer to go with. Um, you know, for the cornerbacks coach to replace um, the replacement, they went with a younger guy, upcoming coach, if you want to call it that. For running backs coach to do the same thing, you got another guy who seems like a young guy, good recruiter, uh, maybe not necessarily the experience as an on-the-field coach, but Stan Drayton, if there's a position where he might feel comfortable doing that, is with the running back coach, because he was a running backs coach. Or does he get, you know, and I'm just spitballing here, does he get a 65-year-old running backs coach from, you know, maybe he could pluck one from a, a small, a, you know, bottom feeder of the Big 12 or bottom feeder of the ACC? Or, uh, you know, 60-year-old at a Mac school who Stan crossed paths with 12 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, that's a lot of what coaching trees essentially are. At this point, I mean, it's you have a connection one way or another, um, whether you know a guy or had a guy or, you know, Stan, he was a grad assistant with Stan and at, you know, Ohio State or Florida, wherever Stan's been before. Things like that nature. So I think it's just what Stan prefers at this point. Does he get a local high school coach to make the jump up to the next step, which is what they had tried to do with the uh, previous running backs coach, Preston Brown, just didn't work out. Um, and they've tried that with uh, Gabe Infante, who they got from the prep. Uh, so that's just a – I don't have specific names. It's more just what does Stan prefer he wants to do at this point in time to kind of round out his staff. I think that's the last position that they need. Um, so, Jake, appreciate the question. Uh, and I think that's essential – oh, no, there's one more I'm missing. Sorry. Uh, one about EJ Warner was Sean Mohan. Sorry, Sean. Got your dad's question and not you. I uh, need to address the importance of EJ and the success of the football team to our program in the future. <laughs> Since basketball season's been disappointing and we're ACC for life. Um, AAC for life. Um, I mean, EJ and the success of football is obviously huge. I think EJ... Staying is obviously huge, and I don't see him leaving at this time. I think I've said it on the show. Um, it's not like he needs to leave for NIL money. His dad's a millionaire. Uh, he's, I think he's an awesome, awesome guy. I think he's just five foot eleven, and if he was six foot four, sure, I guarantee you one of the big time school conferences is calling. He's five eleven, and that's on a good day. I just unless he has two more really good years, maybe for his senior year at school reaches out to him, I just don't, you know, 
what's his uh, jump to make? You know, if he goes to even a school like in the top 25, like he's not going to go to Penn State and compete with their four or five star recruit at quarterback. He's not going to go to, you know, even ACC schools like Maryland, who's getting, you know, at least a three or four star recruit who might be six foot four. Again, it's like that. He just doesn't have the size and the body, and it's not like he runs a four four forty, um, unless he's thrown for five thousand yards and three thirty touchdowns. I just don't see EJ leaving. Um, obviously, success. Uh, he's shown he can have success. Success. Uh, he needs an offensive line, which I think they've addressed. He needs receivers and playmakers, which I think they've addressed, and he needs probably a running back that can at least take some of the pressure off of him. Have they addressed that yet? Remains to be seen. Um, and he's only going to get better. I mean, his decision making is really good. I think his arm strength is good. Um, you know, it's just going to come down to uh, Langsdorf, Drayton, uh, and the rest of the staff just putting the right pieces around him, and you know, having him work. It seems like his work ethic is not an issue, though. I mean, definitely grew up in a film room with his dad. Still probably does a film session with his dad once a week just for fun at this point. You know, that's father-son bonding in the Kurt Warner house. My father-son bonding was, you know, my dad asked me to cut the grass when I was 14. It was great. But I wasn't a gifted uh, D1 athlete, so these things happen. Um, so thanks, Sean. Appreciate the question. Uh, I th- Let me just double-check one more time. That I'm not missing any questions. Like I said, there was one about next coach to replace Aaron McKee. I am holding out on that question. I'm not answering it at this time because who knows? Maybe they run the table in the conference tournament and we never have to do it. Um, Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Appreciate you listening. Uh, like I said, sorry it's been a couple weeks uh, since I had an episode. Hopefully I get one uh, Monday, Tuesday next week. And it'll be about a win over Houston. Um, And as always, guys, I'll be back.